So here we go again. I find it helpful, you know, to to think about what on earth are we doing here, and what are, what is this all about, and um, revisit things like, you know, what is God like, and if God was living in Port Alberni, what would that be like? If God were to turn up this morning, and what would it be like for God to, you know, meet me and me to meet Him, and and just coming back to the recognition, well, if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. He would do what Jesus did. He would say what Jesus said. And to be reminded again that there's no other faith in all the world that actually speaks about God being personal, about God coming into the world in which we live. And the most basic thing about God that Jesus showed was that he is kind, he is good, he is totally um, different to what we might expect, and he's not religious. The thing about religion is that it always puts the onus on the person who's present to make themselves acceptable to God. So the thing about religion is that it puts heavy weights on people because you're not good enough and you're not uh, holy enough and you're not loving enough and you're not kind enough and you're just not enough, which is kind of depressing. But in our heart of hearts, we know that. And then Jesus walks into the room and he says, um, so what's the problem? It's not about you. The one thing we've already established is that you're not enough for all kinds of reasons. Some of them have nothing to do with you. Some of them, what they have to do with is the context in which you've grown up and live. We live in a broken world, so nothing in this world can make itself unbroken unless somebody comes from outside, inside, and, and brings about change. And that's what Jesus did. He, he came into this world to show what God intended and who he is. So when we sing a song like freedom, you go, well, the last thing I feel like is free. Look at all the stuff going on around me. And Jesus comes in and says, but I'm free. And I'm with you. And once you've got freedom from this circumstance, you're going to step straight back into another circumstance. And you're going to spend your whole life asking me to get you out of things. And I'm going to spend your whole life saying, peace, 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 chill out. I'm with you in the midst of it. Learn to be alive in the midst of circumstances that aren't your first choice. That's freedom because of who God is. So, it's so different. Um, and, you know, in the reading today, it's in, in, in Matthew chapter 8. You're talking about healing again. And so quite often I get this, why do you fixate on healing? I mean, can't we talk about something else? And we do talk about lots of other things. We haven't talked about healing for quite a while except the last few weeks. Well, that's like going to the hospital and saying, can't you do something other than deal with sickness? I think the thing about healing is it's the most, it causes so much discomfort. It's where the kingdom of God comes onto this earth and says, where I am present, change will take place. And then as Laurie said, yeah, but I've been praying forever and it doesn't work. You know, in 1928, you know what happened in 1928? I don't know whether it's... What did you say? I was born. <laughs> hey. Well, this is pretty good then. Um, in 90, I think it's 1928. I might be wrong, but I'll just say it confidently. Um, it was the discovery of penicillin. So... For a thousand, you know, two thousand years, lots longer than that, people got cut and they would have died. 
And people went through all kinds of things where they just got infected and then they infected, they died. And people were exploring eventually, there must be more to this and they didn't understand germs and they didn't understand lots of things, but they carried on. You can think of all kinds of diseases, men with prostate cancer. You can think of cancers of all kinds. You go, you know, somebody somewhere is researching so that they can actually try and bring about more medical healing. You happy about that? All I'm trying to say is in the medical world, they do experiments. Some of them aren't very legitimate and moral, but I'm not condoning that. I'm only saying the process. They, they're continually exploring, let's say, the most ethical stuff because they're trying to find cures for things where people suffer. And then you come to the Christians and they prayed once for healing and they gave up. And God goes, this is meant to be the hospital, the supernatural hospital for the world. This is meant to be where my power and my presence so rocks the world that they begin to say, who is this God? But half the Christians are going, we don't believe it. And it offends me. I'm just trying to yank your chain. How many of you get offended a lot of the time? Stop it. Just to hell with offense. What would that be like if you couldn't be offended? You could disagree, but you wouldn't be. Offense is when you get into an attitude. It's ugly. It's childish. And it's just, it just says more about us than it says about you. This wasn't in my notes, so this must be anointed. Let's just show this video. This is a video of somebody being healed. It's out of a movie, obviously. But just put yourself in the situation and just try and feel what it would be like if this was this morning. It's always one in every crowd, isn't it? How do you feel when you see that response to this woman who's, this happened in a, a synagogue in Capernaum. I've been there. It's, it's about as big as this section here. Um, how do you feel when she walks in and then she's actually healed? What happens in your spirit? And then what happens in your spirit when that other guy stands up and starts going, you've broken the law? doesn't see her. just sees the law. But he also stands up because he's actually been doing ministry for all his life, but he's had no power. And Jesus came to turn everything around and say, you've lost the plot. There is power and presence. I've come to set people free. How do you think that woman felt? Bet you she was glad there was a God of healing. So there is a word today about don't give up and don't be offended and keep on until, this, until cancer is, is completely conquered. There will be research being done under millions of dollars. Why aren't we as a church committed to research for healing? Because if you start from the place that when God came through Jesus, his heart was to bring healing to people. Um, I mean, try this for a message. Um, there is nothing going to happen here. All we're going to tell you is that God is alive and when you die, you're going to be in heaven. And then you will be happy. Until that time, God's going to give you strength to survive the best you can. Come to church on Sunday. Be nice to people. And uh, one day you'll be happy in heaven which has been the traditional message, actually. 
Or then we begin to say, heaven begins on earth wherever God is present and he is present everywhere. And he has come so that you can know a joy in the midst of your life and incomplete circumstances that actually is supernatural because you're not even going to understand. I have a peace and a joy despite what's going on that actually makes me alive because Jesus is with me and he's in me and I don't have a clue how it works. I just know that as as I have surrendered and as I have questioned and as I have worked stuff through in my own heart, something has changed and something is making a difference that is more powerful and more precious than all the other stuff I was trying to suck life out of to get life. And we, most of us, go up and down on that scale. We come close to Jesus, then we wander off, we get lost again, and then we come to our senses and go, what was I thinking? Because I'm missing something that I was tasting. And that's that journey of God brings life and nothing else has it. And so what we're reading this morning is three, three incidents where God comes into the midst of community in Jesus and he touches people's lives and he heals them. Because God, we say, is good and because God, when he meets people in the person of Jesus, I mean, if you're like me, when I meet people in the person of Jesus, I'm just going to go, oh shoot, I'm blown. He's going to just bring to light everything I've ever done wrong and he's going to reject me because I know what I'm like. But it's never borne out in the, in the Bible. It's always borne out by, um, you're my long lost child. I love you. I'm so glad to see you. I know everything about you and I'm still embracing you because the prodigal father is the heart of the God gospel. And once you've been embraced by the father because you weren't worth embracing but he embraced you and he didn't humiliate you and he drew you into his family then why wouldn't you extend that embrace to anybody else one of the saddest things in the church is people who have been embraced start judging other people which means you just better get back to that embrace because I think one of the keys to seeing more healing is actually asking God to develop in me a heart of compassion You see, it's really easy to pray for, oh, this is inconvenience, Jesus is to pray for your healing. And there's no compassion, there's no connection, there's no time. Lord, give me a heart of compassion for the person I pray for. Not pity, just compassion. And so Jesus has this moment where a a leper comes to him and leprosy was awful. People were lepers for 30 years. They were outcasts. They weren't allowed into any walled city. It was a disease they had no hope of, of, of uh, finding healing for. He was like a dead man, they say. And he comes up, um, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You recognize that prayer? Oh Lord, if it be thy will, God willing, I'll be here tomorrow. Teasing you, you know. Lord, if it thy will, it's not thy perfect will, it's not thy time. And then you die young, God needed another angel in heaven. The nonsense we talk is absolutely nonsense. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would I? So what you learn and you start with when you look at Jesus is God is always willing. And he said, what do you mean am I willing? Of course I'm willing. Why wouldn't I be willing to heal you of your leprosy? Why would I want you to live in that state? Well, because his parent was a sinner and he's got an attitude and he needs to learn something. No, I don't teach like that. 
I don't need to afflict you to teach you. And in fact, he says, perfect love casts out. Perfect love draws to repentance. So what, are, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to underscore something really simple, and that is, if you settle that God is kind and he's good and he's always willing to heal, you never have to ask him if he's willing. That's when the research starts. Because, Lord, if you're willing and I've prayed, why aren't I healed? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer. But I think part of the answer is if I know God is willing and he does heal and I'm not getting healed or we're not seeing more healing, then I'm going to keep on questioning, Lord, how can we be more successful in this ministry? And I'm okay not knowing the answers. But I'm not going to give up. Because in my experience, most of the struggles around healing and saying to people, go and pray for each other, is my insecurity and my unbelief. Because Jesus didn't go, oh my word, this is a leper. God, what are we going to do? I'm a little out of my depth. He, he had all authority. And in fact, if Jesus is in you, you have all authority. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And the purpose of these kind of talks this morning is to try and keep us hungry, keep us awake, keep us pressing in, keep us um, trying. As, as long as I have breath and I'm involved in ministry, I will keep on saying, let's pray for healing. Because if we didn't, Laurie wouldn't have been up here last week, I mean this week, saying something changed for her. And other people had some things happen. And if you don't celebrate those, you never see other things. So, and I think if uh, the power of God was more evident in the church, this place would be packed and we'd have to do five services. So I hope that you're not satisfied with your experience of God. And I hope you're not sitting down on your little biblical theological conclusion and say, this is, this is the way it is. I hope you have a humility and a hunger says, I've just tasted a little bit, but I want to see a lot more. I want to see what's written in this book in my life. We've been talking about this and say, you know, don't dare take the Bible and because you haven't experienced, conclude it doesn't happen. This is not meant to be heavy. It's just meant to be sort of a lighting, kind of jesting, which is don't take yourself so seriously. And don't take your conclusions so seriously. Just go like Paul said, I see through a miracle. This is what I know now. This is what I think I know now. But when I read Matthew and the way Jesus seems to effortlessly walk around and touch people and heal them, and he says, as the Father sent me, so sent I you. Well, Lord, I'd like to do that. Peter, I mean, I, I always told John, remember your prophetic words. I have one prophetic word that says, I will see a ministry of healing where I walk past people and my shadow like Peter will heal people. And I go, I, I can't believe that. I don't, I, 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 that's way beyond me. But I receive it. Because I'm not superstitious. I know God can handle me going, oh, I don't know about that. Because it's beyond my frame of reference. But I still believe God can do whatever he wants to do. So I'm going to keep on pursuing that and be hungry for that. And so you have these, this, this leper who was a dead man brought to life. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. 
Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy and then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He sent him back to the established, in a sense, church and said, Share this as a testimony. Jesus all his time was actually never drawing people out of the Jewish faith. He was trying to put them back in to the system. Uh, He's always drawing people in together, always drawing people in. But this wonderful way he just reaches to the leper and he says, I am willing, be clean. What happens if every time you ask God for something, he says, I am willing? We, we have a lot of funny prayers. And we ask God for things, Lord, we want more of your presence. I, I, I know what we're praying, but I do laugh at it. How much more do you want? All I have is yours. So what would more of his presence look like? And we have these ideas of what it looks like, but my sense is, like the tap said to the tank was full of water, I want more of you. I wish I had all your water. And the tank says, you can have it all, just open up. And I'll flow through you. So to me, the, the answer to the presence of God is, Lord, here I am. Fill me with your presence. Show me what your presence means. What happens with us so often is we, we've got so many layers of offense or rejection or opinion that God's trying to get in or get out or do something. I mean, how many things do you say, I don't raise my hands to worship or I don't sing out loud or I, how many things don't you do? <laughs> if, we, if we went through this room, how many things don't you do? Well, it's not a surprise that you probably have got stuck. Do something stupid. Do something you don't normally do. I don't come in and wave a flag. I do not raise my hands. I do not speak in tongues. I do not pray for people for healing. Wow. You're a don't for Jesus. And why don't you do all these things? I, I had spent my teenage years saying, I don't dance. I don't think it's Christian. I didn't dance because I was scared of girls. I got healed. (laughs) A lot of our theologies are based on our fears. So don't take yourself so seriously. It might be a good don't. Get more playful. Get more experimental. And, you know, for somebody who's dancing all over the place all the time, sit down or be still. It's all around, you know, it's not one thing. It's just... I spent, I asked the Lord to give me the gift of tongues and it was the most awkward, embarrassing ministry I've ever had in my life in a little hippie shop in Cape Town and I spoke in tongues for a while, I've told you this before and then I left it for, for years and then came back and, the, and realized the first time I'd knelt by my bed pretending to speak in this language that seemed stupid to me, God had already given me the gift. But it's never been something that's been emotionally overwhelming for me. So, you know, you can speak tongues like you can speak English. I mean, it's, it's totally subject to me. Because everything God gives actually is subject to us. Some people think there's an emotional overwhelming and some people do get emotionally overwhelmed because that's how they're wired. And that's fine. But actually most of the things of God are, um, are under our control because he partners with us. And in many times, he, he actually says, 
Why don't you jump? What do you want to do? Let's heal backs today. Okay, heal backs. I didn't get a word of the Lord about healing backs. I just said, let's heal backs. And he says, why don't you choose something and watch me support you? You see, he's in partnership with us. So sometimes he says, what do you want to do? And other times he says, this is what I want to do. I mean, how many of us are sitting around saying, I'm waiting for God's perfect plan. I want to know what he wants for me. That's another crazy Christian sort of trivial pursuit in my opinion. My humble opinion. Because I think God's most of the time saying, what do you want? What do you want to do? But it's much more spiritual to say, oh, I'm praying, I'm fasting for the will of the Lord. And he goes, what do you want to do? And if you talk to a friend, you might get my will right now. I'm, you know, I'm teasing you. There's an element, of course, you're going to do some of those things sometimes, but I think we overdo it. Most of the things that God is doing is right in our face, right in our heart, right in our circle of friends. And what, what, you know, this whole thing of healing is about healing, not just physically, it's healing emotionally, relationally, uh, in all kinds of ways, healing our thinking, the way we think. Because imagine if you go, Jesus lives in me. All right? When you submit to God and say, God, I repent before you, I, I, am, I have sinned, I have fallen short, and I ask you to come into my life, and I ask you to birth me again so that I might be body, mind, and spirit, and I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And I'm going to start from there. Imagine you begin to say, Jesus lives in me, and the Father lives in me, and the Holy Spirit lives in me. I don't really understand it, but they live in me. I'm a temple of God. So when I walk anywhere, God is present. It only feels like me. And I start beginning to go, so Jesus, if you're present in me, what would you want to do here? And start hosting, in a sense, the presence of God in you. So when somebody says, um, oh, there's a sickness, why don't you pray for them? You learn how to go, well, you don't want me praying for you, John, because John has nothing to give you. But I do carry the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they have a lot to give you. And they just need a little grubby hand and a willing body and a willing spirit. So sure, I'll pray for you. I'm under no illusion that I can't do anything for you, but I've got over that part so I don't have to go, oh, I can't do that anymore. I've kind of settled that. We know that. He knows that. I know that. You know that. So I don't have to do the whole posturing. I don't have to go, oh, my God, I pray. And do you kind of, what are you doing? There's a lot of unbelief coming out in prayer. You just go, Jesus, in me, I'm laying hands on you. Jesus, I just speak blessing. And maybe, as I said earlier, maybe I stop for a minute and go, Father, how do you see this person? Give me compassion for them. I mean, you love them like you love that leper. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, you pour your presence into them and I speak healing in the name of Jesus. I know it's your will, so I don't have to, oh God, if it's your will, we pray this happen. Jesus, I speak to that sickness in the name of Jesus, I command it to come out. You don't hear Jesus going, leper in the name of God, I command you to get healed. He's just in a word. Be free. That's authority. And you go, well, what happens if nothing happens? You say, you never know that nothing's happening. Don't draw that conclusion. When I've just laid hands on you and I've prayed for God's Spirit to rest upon you and that healing to, to be manifest and that sickness to go, I just say, bless you in the name of Jesus. 
the worst thing that can happen is that you feel loved. And we just say we're going to keep on until we get breakthrough. This has got nothing to do with you not being good enough. This has got nothing to do with you being punished. This has got nothing to do with you being a disappointment to God. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. And you give Jesus voice, the one who lives in you, you give voice because you are his humble servant. And he just wants to say, can I use you? Can I use you? And then that tomorrow you don't really feel very spiritual and you kind of go, oh man, I don't even feel like I talked to God today. And then you have to come up with somebody and they're sick and you go, the last person, I, I don't even feel spiritual. I feel nothing. And for that reason you say, well, therefore I'm not praying. Which of course is unbelief. Because Jesus doesn't fly in and out of us. So the greater act of faith is when you feel absolutely nothing and you lay hands and say, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing over you. And you know what will happen probably? They'll get healed then. You go, shoot, and I wasn't even feeling anything. And God says, well, it was never about you anyway. In fact, you at your best moment is often a pain to me because you're too alive with yourself. Is this good news to you or are you getting depressed? It's actually meant to be good news. It's just that God is bigger. So then you have the centurion coming to Jesus. Centurions were men's men. They, they, they looked after a hundred men in the Roman army. They probably spent 15 years getting there. They were not little wimpish piano players. You know how Jesus is always portrayed with sort of weak and the centurion comes to Jesus. I don't think he saw a weak man. I, thought, I think he saw a carpenter. I think he saw somebody who had authority. And he said, I have a servant at home. And he's sick. And, and you, you come. I, understand, I get this. You, you, you come under authority like I do. Because when I say to somebody, go, they go. And when they say, come, they come. And he gets this. And Jesus is amazed at that. What does he say? He says, come to my house. And well, he just, you don't have to come. Jesus offers. He says, can I, can I come and heal? My servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus says to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve. And he goes through this long spiel. And then Jesus says, go, your servant's healed. That's faith. So what's about establishing the name of Jesus? There is no greater name than Jesus. So when Jesus' name is spoken, there is authority released. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you carry the name of Jesus in you, you have great authority. In the name of Jesus, I speak. It's the same as we've used to do the, you know, the RCMP. If you put on the RCMP uniform, in the name of the RCMP, I speak, and you, you have authority. So Brock is visiting us again. Nice to see you, Brock Clayard. I mean, he was the first guy I met when I came to Port Alberni in 985 and he, he loved his uniform and he shot this, he came to my house and shone this big spotlight in the thing and said, oh, just came to see if you're all right. Well, you're the younger crony of Brock now. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the authority is there. But if I ask these guys to come up now without their uniform, well, they're just regular guys. But in the, in the, in the, in the name of Jesus, you have authority. And we need to learn, I have authority. It's your lucky day because I have authority and I'm here with you. It's like that Superman thing that, I, that God just put on my chest and said, John, you've forgotten your identity. You've forgotten your authority. 
And the centurion realized this. And he said, I get how this operates. And Jesus said, I have not seen faith like this because you do get it. Now let's put a wrinkle in the story. There are some people who say that the, the, the word payas, P-A-I-S, which is my servant lies paralyzed, is actually meaning my lover. And there's some who say that the centurion was homosexual. And he had a homosexual partner, and that's why he came, because most centurions, this is rocking your bone, and uh, most centurions would not be coming to, have a, to look after their little slave. So there must have been more to it. Now, if you go back into the culture of Jesus, the Romans actually were kind of bisexual. They just, they were quite free. What if that were true? What if the Roman centurion's slave was his lover? I would suggest to you that Jesus would have done exactly the same thing. You see, Jesus wasn't condoning sexual behavior. He was just responding to the cry of somebody in need. Because you have far better chance of being light and truth to somebody when you meet them at their point of need than when you actually accuse them for what they're not doing and they're not right. Does that make sense? See, God isn't prejudiced. Now, some people use that text and say that therefore Jesus condones homosexuality. He doesn't. He actually just loves a person who's in need. The chances of that being an accurate translation are probably pretty small. I'm just saying it's there. But if you were sitting here today as a homosexual, Jesus would still say, I love you unconditionally. I'm so glad you're here. It's the compassion of God for children. It's the compassion of the Father. Healing has to happen in all kinds of ways, not just physical. And sometimes maybe what's stopping the physical physical healing from being released more here is the more we actually deal with our attitudes and relationships, the more we create a compassionate climate for his healing. God's always working in us to work through us. Always. You can't do this kind of healing. It's always got a heart to heart. The good news about this, you see, is that if he does this for these lepers and the centurion and these paralyzed servants, that means he's actually open to us as well. And when he's healed the centurion's servant, he goes to Peter's house and he sees that uh, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And nobody asks him at this point to heal her. He sees her and he touches her and she gets up. You see, there are times where Jesus just heals before being asked. I wonder how many things he's done in our lives that we didn't even know he's done. He's just touched it. This is the story that I remember, the first story I remember ever hearing in the Bible. I was, I, I think, I, everything I've told you, I've told you before, but I must have been about five years old at nursery school and we had to write down the story and I always said, I, I remember saying, Peter's mother-in-law was healed and she got up and made them tea. And I was told, no, she didn't make tea. You might have made tea. God loves and adores us 
and he grieves over the sicknesses in us, body, mind, and spirit. And he doesn't really want you to live another day in your affliction. And we don't want to have a theology that says, oh, he does. We want to say he doesn't, but we don't know how to get there, so we're going to keep on asking him to teach us. But I think a lot will fall off as we go, thank you that you love me, you're not punishing me. Thank you uh, that you're for me, not against me. Thank you that there's so much more for me to discover about you. And I have a sense, I wasn't planning this, but I do have a sense that God might be saying to some of us, will you just lay down your attitude and your prejudices and your offenses? Just get over yourself. I know that's rude, I mean, you know. Just get over yourself. I mean, I love you, but you're not the king. I love you, but you've got a real small mind and your understanding is kind of laughable at times. You, get so, you feel so strongly about it and you try and persuade everybody and you just go, oh my word, you're getting so uptight about nothing. And if you pull on that thread of your offense, you probably will find that I'm trying to heal you about something that happened 50 years ago, or 20 years ago. And you still haven't got over that, so you keep on wrapping up the present and the past. And you're asking me to heal you, and I want to heal you. But the other thing we know from the other stories we've read about Jesus' healing, for instance, when the woman came and touched his garment, and you know, I've mentioned this before as well, he healed her, her, her the way she was uh, appreciated or not appreciated in the village by calling her up and o- exposing her He was actually reinstating her. You see, she wanted a healing for a physical, quite naturally. But God was saying, honey, you need a healing that's much deeper than that as well. And that's what God's saying to you as well and to me. We need all kinds of healing. Titch was talking to me, so I can hear her now saying, what a a nice John. (laughs) Do it. We We all need healing all the time in all kinds of ways. And some of that happens through prayer, some of that happens through our relationships, some of that happens in worship, some of that happens just as we go about our day, we remember things and begin to change our thinking. Offense causes lots of tension. Doubt and unbelief, which is absolutely allowed because you can't get into faith without going through doubt. That's why I wrote a trail notes this week on ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Keep asking questions. So how big is God for you now? Have you lost sight of him? Have you lost sight of his greatness, his power, his presence? Well, he's right here. I'm going to finish here too.